0: You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by the Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hello, everyone, this is Scott Love, your host of The Partner Podcast. Thank you for joining me on another show. One thing before we get started here, I wanted to let you know that in a few shows we're going to be winding down the production of this particular podcast. The reason is, is that I focus on recruiting partners for law firms, and the one thing that every partner wants is to grow their book of business. So I had relaunched a dormant podcast that I'd had for several years. And the target is solely on rainmaking. It's called the Rainmaking Podcast. You can go to iTunes and just type in the Rainmaking Podcast, and you'll find it right there. Or go to my website, attorneysearchgroup.com, and look under podcasts. At that link, you'll find the entire archive of this particular podcast. We're always going to keep that live and available, and the Rainmaking Podcast as well. I hope that gives you some content and some value. If you know partners and big firms, forward that link to them. They'll thank you for it. Let's get on to our show for today. Our guest on today's show is Hanan Landa. Hanan is the founder and CEO of Optimal Networks, Inc., a globally ranked, IT services firm. After earning his BS and MS in electrical engineering and computer science from Johns Hopkins University, Hainan went on to receive his MBA from the Wharton School of Business. Featured in various publications, including Legal Management, Legal Times, Chief Executive Inc. Magazine, Forbes, CIO, and with regular television appearances, Hainan is a trusted leader in the legal, technology, and business spaces. Hainan has been providing IT services to law firms for nearly three decades, and is the author of The Modern Law Firm, How to Thrive in an Era of Rapid Technological Change. I've got with me on the podcast today, Henan Landa with Optimal Networks. Henan, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. And Henan, I like the fact that you're a specialist in law firms. I like the fact that you have a technology company that focuses just on law firms, that's very specialized. And our topic title is Leveraging Technology to Build and Strengthen Client Relationships from Anywhere. That, that hits on everything that every law firm partner wants, right? I think so. Absolutely. So tell me about your journey. You're a tech guy with the personality, so that's rare. But tell me about your journey. How did you start in your career and how did you end up to where you are today? Wow, that's a that's a long, long 30-year question
1: <laughs> that I will attempt to summarize for you. Let's see. So so I come from actually quite an entrepreneurial family. My parents had their own business and I wanted to go into business and have my own business from the Mm get-go. And my mom said, under no circumstances will you do this without having some proper training and vocational education. So I went and got a um, bachelor's and master's in computer science and electrical engineering uh, from Hopkins. And then she gave me permission to go to business school. So that's great.
0: Yeah. My mom. Hey,
1: She's very proud of me, and I appreciate that and So many years ago, <laughs> I graduated from the Wharton business School, and I'm totally convinced that's where all the personality come from. Anyway, I wrote the business plan for optimal networks at Wharton, and I came out into the real world and tried to start this what was back then fairly new concept of a, of an i t support company uh-huh. right out of uh, business school, and quickly realized that uh, the whole business plan I had written you know, didn't really amount to a hill of beans. I, really? I, I was young. Why is that? I was, I was 25. <laughs> Am I allowed to oh, say that? Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. I was, I was much smart. I, I was much too smart for my own good. <laughs> you know, then you get out in the real world and you start seeing what the, what the work is about. And, you know, in a couple of years, we finally started figuring out, hey, look, we're going to be an i t. support company, and this is what that looks like, right, right, right. A lot of a lot of personal interaction. And I always sort of gravitated to the higher quality of service that was I don't know that was just I really liked helping people and making them happy and and I like solving their technology issues. It was right. very gratifying. And when you're in the d c area and you start up a business like that, you know the demographics were pretty clear. you're going to start hitting law firms pretty quickly. And, right, right. and I found that of all the clients that I worked with uh, associations definitely but but seriously law firms were the ones that really appreciated the service, the service mm-hmm. element of this because if you think about it they're both professional service industries. Right. You know, so you're a lawyer, you're trying to serve your clients. I'm an IT professional, I'm trying to serve my clients. And so there's a if it's done well, there's a mutual respect there. That's awesome.
0: And I like the fact that it's really niched and you understand all the unique issues related to technology, such as security and things like that, Mm -hmm. and some of the other things that we'll talk about today. And so tell me about your new book, The Modern Law Firm. Tell me about that and what does it teach lawyers about the link between client relationships and technology? Well,
1: first, let me set the the premise of it because what became readily apparent, I was reading this book uh, by Thomas Friedman, it was Thank You for Being Late. And phenomenal book he wrote and sort of talked about the rate of change of technology, which is exponential. And between you and me, when I first was writing this book, I figured I'd spend most of my time teaching people what an exponential rate of change is. But apparently I don't have to because the coronavirus did that for us. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So now everyone knows what an exponential growth curve is. And that is what's happening with technology. And that was like the main premise of Thomas Friedman's book. And he's saying, look, if you look at a chessboard, it's really easy to double if you put a penny on the first square. It's real easy to track what's happening for the first few rows of the the chessboard. It goes from one penny to two pennies, to four pennies, to eight, to 16. Easy to handle. But when you get to the second half of the chessboard, it becomes ridiculous. Like you cannot even conceptually comprehend what's happening with these pennies. Right. And the numbers are so big. And what he's saying is, look, this is where we are now. We're moving into the second half of the chessboard. And that was really my call to action. And I'm thinking, look, all of us as attorneys, we need to be ready for this. We need to see what's happening. If we look back 20 years and we think about where we were with WordPerfect 5.1 and no network, right, and just passing around floppy drives and where we are now, these are like two completely different worlds. Imagine what's going to happen going forward. Right. So I said, "How do we? What can we do to put together a framework that we can not just survive this type of change, but actually thrive in the change?" And that was the that was really the the call that got me to to write the book. If, the calling that got me to write the book. If so, all right. So let me answer your your question about the client relationships piece i think that as long as you're looking at technology as a cost center as something that you just got to deal with i think you're sort of missing the boat and i think that if you look at technology as a place that can give your firm a competitive advantage then you got the right set of eyes on it
0: that's great so let me let me kind of hit on that looking at technology as a competitive advantage which mm-hmm. is what marketing and distinction is all about right Do you find that it's common for lawyers and law firm leaders just not to even think of it like that? It's more common than we wish. Right.
1: There clearly are some very enlightened firms out there that are looking at technology all the time with an eye to how can we use this to improve our internal operations? How can we use this to serve our clients better? How can we use this to develop new practice areas? And then there are a lot that are just like, oh, God, i got to replace these PCs again.
0: Right. You know, let me, let me kind of talk about this a little bit, because I think this is a vein of gold for some people listening that might help to answer the question of what's unique about us. Because if you think about marketing, it all begins with distinction. And the problem that I've seen, having been in so many law firms, offices, all the, a lot of the big firms that's where I work, I've been in over 50 offices of clients and potential clients. And when I ask them to describe their firm, I'm hearing the exact same thing. So I learned to ask this question. What can you say about your firm that nobody else can say about their firm, and you can't say the word "culture" because everybody's got great culture? <laughs> I said, what can you say that's truly distinct? And usually you would think that I've asked for a moment of silence on. <laughs> I'm kind on of quiet i'm serious. so I think if the line of truth of getting business is to show your uniqueness if you don't have uniqueness, then You're going to get the business based on price. And you know that story. It's a race to the bottom of who can charge the least amount of work. So you actually could be a catalyst for law firms developing that uniqueness if they can leverage technology to build that uniqueness. Basically, they're reverse engineering the concept of uniqueness by using technology. Is that an accurate guess of what your your strategy is? I'm okay with that. Yeah. So tell me then, what are some points of distinction through technology that you've seen your clients have been able to to capitalize on?
1: So if you look at serving your clients, like how you can best serve your clients with technology, right? What does serving your clients mean, right? And this is part of what what we talk about in the book, right? Which is we sort of build out like four different pillars of client service. You know, how can you be more responsive to the client? How can you How can you bring your expertise, your entire firm's expertise to bear on client situations fast? How can you show them results? How can you innovate right with them? You know, it actually puts the whole technology piece in a completely different light. So one of the things with responsiveness, I'll give you this phenomenal example of an attorney who I respect a lot, whose client was using Slack. And you know, especially in this time of the pandemic, you got people are using Slack and they're using Teams as a way to stay in touch. But a lot of companies are using it also as a way to collaborate internally and to really communicate much, much, much faster than email with a lot less information overload. Right. So this attorney had a client using Slack and said, you know what? I will come into your Slack as a user and work with you inside your Slack. And by doing that, He, in essence, became part of this client's day-to-day communication workflow and was able to work back and forth with documents very quickly, you know, comments, suggestions. He was quick to reach because it was direct messaging involved in Slack. And to me, I look at that and I say, that is so far advanced from what I'm seeing in most law firms that have mandated that in order to capture all client communications, we only use email. With the client. Right. And I'm not saying there isn't a happy medium. And I'm not saying that you don't have to investigate the security aspects of Slack. And I'm not saying to do any of this willy nilly. So let's, you know, let's not, let's, <laughs> I preach a lot of caution here,
0: right? Right.
1: But just the concept that he managed to integrate himself into his client's workflow, his client's day-to-day communication, that is innovative. That is providing significantly more responsive service to a client. That is ahead of the curve. And if I'm that client, who am I going to work with? Right, right. You know, end of story. He's in my Slack. Oh my
0: God. That's like almost being part of my company. You're absolutely right. That reminds me, one point of distinction I heard from one of my clients, they said they have an annual conference with their clients where they would physically come in and meet their partners together. And they're also meeting other companies that are using that same firm. Mm -hmm. And that gives them a chance to give feedback to the firm partners directly on how they can improve service to them. And when he explained this to me, I said, that's brilliant on three different levels. Number one is that you sink your client relationships in deeper to you because they're increasing their commitment because of their investment in time. Right. You're introducing them to each other. So it reinforces to the concept of social proof that you're a good firm. And this is a good selling point in recruiting other partners. And so I think that what you talk about, that is one prime example of how a law firm can showcase their distinction because of the, not just the privilege they have with the clients in terms of getting client information and keeping it, but the way that they work together. Mm-hmm. It's more of an integrated approach, which bonds them together. It's gonna, It's kind of like when my my guy said, well, I want you to move your bank stuff to my bank. I'm like, you know, I've got all these monthly debit cards. No, I think I'll stay with my current bank because I don't want to have to go through the hassle right. of changing. You know, same thing here. When you get the technology that's seated deeply within how these companies are working and how it impacts their relationship to their law firms, they're probably less likely to leave.
1: They're less likely to leave and they're more likely to contact you before it becomes a crisis. Right. Right. And you become a trusted advisor who's like fully incorporated. It's, and I mean, I just use that, but the idea here is that meet the client halfway. Right. Right. Find a way with the appropriate security, with the appropriate precautions, with capturing the communications and everything you need to do. I mean, it's, you cannot like dismiss the fact that you've got obligations as an attorney, right?
0: Right, right, sure. <laughs>
1: right, you have to do this. But find a way to get closer to your clients, to communicate the way they communicate.
0: That's great. What What are some other examples of how law firms can use technology? What are some other ideas that you talk about in your book? Some other ideas is to keep an eye on some of the,
1: the up-and-coming technologies. I mean, Bitcoin may be over, but, you know, Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, all these sorts of things. and Take a look at them, not just from a, hey, can I improve my practice right. by using artificial intelligence? You know, there's this overall concern that, that artificial intelligence is going to take over law clerks and then, you know, first-year attorneys and so on and so forth, and and it may. You know, that's not the thing to worry about. The question is, don't we need attorneys to start pulling apart some of the legal issues concerning artificial intelligence or right. Bitcoin or whatever. And, and can we look at these emerging technologies as possible new practice areas, in addition to looking at them as ways of improving your operational
0: efficiency? Interesting. You know, it's, it's almost like the things you're talking about, this crisis itself has created new law firm opportunities. It's created, it's changed priorities and it's, it's created, or I wouldn't say created, but the byproduct is that there's new opportunities for law firms.
1: I think the opportunities for law firms are are huge, are huge. And this crisis has definitely done that. And you see a lot of law firms thriving in this world. And I think one of the first things, so this was sort of interesting because uh, one of the first things I put out in the book, by the way, I I didn't write the book having any knowledge of the pandemic. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Right, Just to be clear, (laughs) Um, this book was one heck of an effort. It was like a good two- Two to three-year effort, and one of the things that I I saw as a big place, which was a sort of a problem area, but a wonderful opportunity, was to pull together your mobile and remote work strategy. Interesting. What do you mean by that exactly? What I mean is that this idea of working from anywhere opens up tremendous opportunities for you. You're no longer limited to your local geographic area. Never mind that you can build from anywhere, right? Never mind that that. I mean, that's always been the promise of the mobile and remote work uh, technologies,
0: right. like,
1: like virtual desktops and you know cloud and all that stuff. So I have a client who loves to brag that, that he is able to bill sitting in the passenger seat while his uh, wife drives them up I-95. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's cool. And that's always great. But I have another client who talks a lot about how they were able to op- open offices on the West Coast. And because they have sufficient remote access technology that they were not limited to the local area. Right. That's great. And those are amazing opportunities. And so the past, the past two months now has been probably the greatest work from home experiment ever devised. Right. And so I That's think a great. lot of law firms are now seeing that they can actually work remotely. They can actually uh, be as productive and sometimes more productive than they were before. So what does that open up for you? Tell us. I mean, (laughs) no, I think it opens up more. Look, I think you can attract and retain people better. Right. Right. All staff, all staff, all attorneys, all paralegals. All of a sudden, you are able to give them a better work-life balance. You can remove the commute. If not permanently, like, I mean, I don't mean, I'm not sitting here saying that we should stay working from home permanently, but... Let's look at when we come back. Do we really have to insist that everyone is in the office all the time now that we've seen that it can work remotely?
0: You're absolutely right.
1: Can and- we cut down those hours of commuting? Can we open up offices in other places because we know how to get people to work remotely and how to keep our culture extended there?
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me about this technology maturity level that you talk about law firms should, uh, should test that. What, first, what does that mean? And then what are some quick tips for those law firms that want to really up their tech game and delight both prospective and existing clients?
1: Yes, thanks. That is actually probably the last third of the book. I've developed a model. It's called the Technology Operational Maturity Level Model. And the idea is that on 14 different categories of technology, high-functioning firms, right, high-functioning law firms who really have their act together with technology work in a certain way. And I've sort of laid that out, what it looks like to be a high-functioning, high-maturity firm in each one of these 14 categories. And the categories Mm -hmm. are everything from security to innovation to governance to uh, vendor management, you know, just all the different all the different elements of, of technology and mm-hmm. run it. And so you can look at the, at sort of the example, like the traits, like you you're looking at, I don't know, security. And then inside of security, there's five or six different behaviors that a high functioning firm would do in order to keep their data and their clients' data secure. Mm-hmm. And so if you do all of those things too, then you get a three. And if right. you do some of those things, you get a two. And if you do none of those things, you get a one. It's a real simple scale. Got it. And so you can self-assess where you are. I mean, we can help you assess too, but the whole point was to put a tool in everyone's hands to say, hey, look, I'm going to spend half an hour and go through this. Uh, we even have an interactive one or a printable one on, on the law firm, on the book website. And so you can pull that down. You can take this assessment and you can say, ah, okay we're not really handling our project management very well. Let's focus on that. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of give a prescription on how to climb up the ladder in your operational maturity, climb up the pyramid, so you can get to a point where instead of worrying about are your attorneys productive or are the machines failing and do they have someone to call for help, you can start worrying about how to be innovative.
0: How to I, get love, I love that. Yeah. That probably takes the pressure off the law firm leaders so they can really devote time and resources to other areas. But I really like the fact that you kind of shift you shift that paradigm from it's a cost center to where this is an ROI. This is a way you can make money off of technology. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it, should, it should be. <laughs> I, I would like
1: that for all of my clients.
0: Really, right. Yeah. So tell me about your book. What's the name of the book and how can people get that?
1: Okay. So the name of the book is The Modern Law Firm. Mm-hmm. How to Thrive in an Era of Rapid Technological Change, and of course, it's available on Amazon in every format under the sun, mm-hmm. including Audible, where I had a great time reading it. I had, oh, that's great! I had way too much fun reading it. We
0: can actually. we can just hear you read the book to us. Is that right? Or did you hire a voiceover to do it? For
1: hours. It's all me. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, um, Hayden. Yeah, and if it's uh, easier, you can you can. There's a lot of extra information plus all these the modern, uh, I mean, the operational maturity level, you can go to the website, the law firm book website, which is modernlawfirmbook.com.
0: Great, modernlawfirmbook.com. And we'll put that link on our show notes also. Oh, great. I like the fact that it's, this book is a resource that's gonna stay on their shelves. They can probably go back and refer to it over and over again. What would be some final words of wisdom you'd have for lawyers and firms that are really struggling to keep up with their competition as it relates to technology?
1: Wow, I have a lot of words of wisdom, but let me let me try to boil it down. Definitely read the book, uh, but second of all, find yourself a good technology partner, and I think that is one of the key things that I would recommend. There's, I think there's there are resources in the book to talking about this, and there's definitely blog articles that we have on our website. I can send you that if you want to post your sure. notes too. But there's a technology people and lawyers tend to think and talk differently. And there's a lot of mistrust and miscommunication between the two is what I've found. And that's why I didn't write this book in a technical way. I wrote it in a business way, right? Because I think that's the place where you can overlap, right? Because tech people need to talk business and should be able to talk business. And same with lawyers. And I'm right. sure bring that out quite a bit. And so you've got to find an IT partner Like if you don't have a good internal team and you need to use an external team, got to find a good IT partner that speaks business and speaks your language and understands what you're trying to do and can speak to you in a way that makes you comfortable, that they get it. And I think that is the key thing because there's lots of technology out there and you put two, two IT people in a room and you're going to get 35 different opinions on how to do it. You know, so you really have to find someone you can trust that, That would be the second thing I would say. And the third thing, if you don't mind me throwing one more thing out at you. Mm -hmm, Sure. And this is just like a a PSA. In the world of this pandemic, everyone has gone to work from home and it is not secure. The security Mm -hmm. threats have risen dramatically. And so I would just urge you to educate yourself on the types of security threats that are out there. I have a whole section on our main website if you people wanna to go to that. It's optimalnetworks.com slash work from home. And there's a bunch of security and other information on how you can sort of protect yourself. Wow. Now that we're all working at home.
0: on We'll, we'll put that on the show notes also. What, what do you think? Can you rattle off some of the more common security threats that you've seen?
1: Yeah, the big thing is that um, phishing attacks have gone up 600% since yeah. the pandemic started. Because the hackers and the scammers are like, oh my God, we don't have to create fear. It's already here for us. Right. They're sending off emails like they're the, the World Health Organization or they're the CDC and they are literally fooling people like crazy into clicking on all sorts of links and attachment and compromising their machines. There was a study just done that said that 46% of home computers and home networks are already compromised. Oh, I believe it. I yeah. believe that, Yeah. So I would, I, would, yeah. I would very much suggest people talk to their IT folks or if you're stuck, talk to me. I, I'm happy
0: to help. I'm really worried about the situation and it's easy to control. Well, Hanan, I appreciate that thoughtfulness. And like I mentioned, we'll put your contact information on the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and people can find your book on Amazon. And tell me the title again. The Modern Law Firm. Awesome. Easy to remember. <laughs>
1: Easy to remember.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank and uh,
1: very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it being
0: here. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you, Henan. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.